previously on episodes number 20 and 28 of the Discerning Geeks Portal. See, now I'm, I'm stuck at a quandary because even though we finally done Killer Clowns, I know other movies that are on the same level that I could continue the tradition of like, you know, I could say like Critters, Chud, Maximum Overdrive. We were talking about that earlier. What's a good one? Well, let's see. I, I've already said Killer Clowns, so maybe I should try something a little different. Uh, how about Rollerball? It's a dystopian future and basically sports guys are sort of gladiators. Remember Roller Derby? You know how it's still kind of technically going on, I think down in Texas or whatever. Well, it's kind of Roller derby only with death because there's the biggest of ball you could actually kill the guy with the ball now, you're not supposed to but it happens and that's really what people are watching for kind of like hockey so that could be fun rollerball that's kind of like along those lines of the running man but yeah rollerball rollerball will be my suggestion I'm going to have to throw out Rollerball again. I think Rollerball would be fun. It's from that same kind of era we've done really well in. Those movies you don't necessarily see everybody else do. I don't remember it being too bad. Yeah, it's old, but I don't think we couldn't give a good, honest review about it. So I'm going to throw say Rollerball again. And now, in honor of Dave T. Now recording. Welcome back, discerning listeners, to another exciting episode of the Discerning Geeks Portal where each week we take a discerning look into all things geek. My name is David, and I am here with my best friend Todd and our, I don't know, uh, guest host or host in training? I don't know what we're going to call him. <laughs> um, hostess with the mustest. Yeah, the hostess. I, I, with the I'm, just, I'm just from the accounting department. I'm here performing an audit. You, you guys. Oh, no. It is oh, no. the beginning of the year. Oh, no. Yeah. And we have determined that we have not made a single penny off this podcast. Well, that's <laughs> that is true. Well, thankfully, your expenses aren't that high. I guess we can keep you guys going. Yeah, I really would hate to add up how much I've actually spent to do this podcast because I would probably be sad to, you know, but it, it's a fun hobby. I, I, I really don't begrudge it at all. But there is some cost. You know, microphones are not cheap. Um, no. <laughs> No. Welcome to Microphone Talk with Dave and Todd. And even the little arms that hold microphones and pop filters, and it, it, it adds up. For some matter, I don't know, some reason I, I collect microphones. I'm looking at four on my desk right now, and I only use one at any given point. So why I have four microphones, I don't know, but I do. Uh, well, if, if you're like me, the problem is you, you go on Amazon and you find a cheap microphone and you get uh-huh. it and it's better than whatever microphone you had before, which for me was the microphone on a built-in headset. Um, so that's why my track does not sound very good in some of our first, first few episodes, especially whenever I make the S sound. Oh, it sounded terrible. Uh, but <laughs> then then you get a, a slightly better microphone. And you think, oh, this is so much better. And then somehow you start to realize, well, maybe it's not that good. And so I need one a little bit better. And then it's actually better. But then for some reason, either the software changes or for whatever reason, it starts to sound bad. And so then you need a backup microphone or either either one that's even better. The weird thing is right now I'm on a microphone that is supposedly not as good quality as one I was using, which was good for a while. But then for some reason that one started to go bad. Either that or the settings on my computer started to change. And so I'm using the backup microphone because it, it's for some reason actually more reliable, at least at the moment. I'm kind of paranoid to use the other one. So, yeah, it's I have about four or five microphones, too. Uh, yeah, I don't know how it happens. Well, and I don't know if this happens to you, but I have discovered that we have a used bookstore that also sells kind of electronics and, and things like that. And occasionally they will run across a pretty high quality 
microphone that they're reselling at a really reasonable price. And it's almost impossible for me not to pick up the $200 microphone because I'm constantly looking at them online. I know how much they are when I find it for like 50 bucks. It's like, oh, I should get that. That's like a $200 microphone. But then sometimes I plug it in and use it and it's not as good as what I already had. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, but it, it was a cool microphone. Anyways, a lot about microphones and behind the scenes of our podcast. This has been Microphone Talk with Dave and Todd. Don't worry, folks. They get to the movie review eventually, I think. This is a special episode. I know I kind of say that a lot, but this is a, a special episode. This episode was one that was suggested by our dear friend Dave, who is no longer with us. Um, and in some ways, we will have to determine if this is him torturing us from beyond the grave or <laughs> almost certainly. <laughs> almost certainly. Well, Dave. <laughs> or just giving us some something to remember him by. I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, I mean, uh, listen, listen. I, I was a dear friend of, of one David Charles Teague, and I know, I know the man. He he wanted us to watch this movie. For for, for me, th- this would be the perfect kind of movie for him and I to just sit in the car and just have like an hour and a half long discussion with like thirty minutes of this movie. Like there, there's a 30 minute stretch of this movie that he and I could have gotten like an entire trip to the beach. Okay. Um, but well, um, thank, thank goodness you're here then. And actually, <laughs> I, I just thought of something. We forgot to discuss this ahead of time. Is it, really the, is it really the 1975 version of Rollerball that we were supposed to watch? Yes. That's the one I watched. <sighs> oh, no. I mean, I mean, listen, listen. Did you watch the other one? I watched the the seventy five. I know the the two thousands because of all the wrestling in it. Like, there's so much wrestling in that movie, and you wouldn't know unless you're knee deep in it, like I am. Like Paul Heyman's in the movie, and Paul Heyman's important to wrestling fans because he's responsible for ECW, and ECW is the reason why you have the Attitude Era. And then Shane McMahon's in there for like two minutes as the future owner of the WWE. Spoilers. He does not own the WWE today. It is actually still owned by Vince McMahon after he uh, resigned in shame a year ago due to um, allegations of sexual harassment, misconduct. And uh, he just decided uh, earlier this year, screw it, I'm back. You know, again, wrestling, wonderful business. But no, I've seen both. I I can discuss both, whichever way you want to go with it. We're we're good. Okay, because I... I assumed it was the 1975 version. Oh, good. That's but I, I did kind of worry in the back of my mind, what if it was supposed to be the 2000s version? And and then, Preston, from what you said, it made me wor- worry, oh, no, did Dave Teague mean the 2000s version? Uh, <laughs> we don't know. Which, which did you think he meant? Dave was a man that wanted movies that were fun. People, people were having fun making this movie. And yeah, the people were having fun making the 2000s version, but the the 75 version there, there's more meat to sink your teeth into, which which we'll definitely get to. There is just all of the insanity and like the class commentary, and then you, you have like 
that entire scene where it's like, oh, here's the computer that runs everything and we control it to say what we want it to say. Yeah. This isn't the original version of any kind of literature. It's corporate approved. And Dave was really one of those guys that was like, you know, you should own these things. He was very physical media oriented. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Because you never know when they could change it. Like, for example, in, in some of the Simpsons episodes, when Simpsons made syndication, they had to cut a few jokes out. That's why, like, in, in um, more example, the uh, Fly parody in one of the uh, Treehouse of Horrors, there's originally a joke where Bart thinks he's going to merge with a fly and become, like, the superhero. And in, in his little fantasy sequence that lasts all of half a minute, he beats up all his bullies and then drops Skinner into a volcano. And uh, in syndication, that's cut out. So it's like a real mm -hmm. kind of okay. <laughs> lost media thing for Simpsons fans. Yeah. So I'm a gigantic Simpsons fan, if you don't know. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going to interrupt just a little bit, mainly because we've kind of hinted at it and talked about it. But it would probably be good to truly introduce their topic. Good idea. And for that... Todd drew the short straw and was tasked with writing a synopsis of our movie. Todd, talk about Rollerball. Okay. And this is the 1975 version, not the 2000 version. I, I kind of meant to get around to, to watching the 2000 version. For some reason, I just never did. So uh, 1975 Rollerball. In the far distant future of 2018, the world <laughs> is run by mega corporations instead of by countries. And those corporations, based on broad topics like energy, food, and luxury, sponsor teams in deadly roller skate and motorcycle-based sport called Rollerball. Jonathan E., the star of the game and captain of the energy-sponsored Houston team, is being forced into retirement for mysterious reasons and through extreme means. And he attempts to find out why before the already lethal game devolves into even deeper chaos. Rollerball is starring James Kahn as Jonathan E., the team captain of the Houston team. John Beck as Moonpie, Jonathan's teammate and best friend. John Hausman as Mr. Bar Bartholomew, chairman of the Energy Corporation. Moses Gunn as Cletus, Jonathan's friend and former coach turned executive. And Maude Adams as Ella, Jonathan's ex-wife. Rollerball was released on June 25th, 1975, making this movie just a little bit older than all three of us. It was rated R. It was written by William Harrison, making this the first movie that we re reviewed that has been written by a former president of the United States. Hold on, let me check my notes. <laughs> let me check my notes. Oh, sorry. Not the same William Harrison. It was... Stop laughing. It's not funny. If this is a joke, Alfred, it's not funny. And he's not funny. Don't get me wrong. He seems like a nice guy, but my father's a nice guy, and he's not funny either. It, it was directed by Norman Jewison. And where can you find it? It's on Tubi, Pluto TV, Freevee, and Hoopla. And when I was skimming through it today to, to kind of refresh my memory about it on Tubi, Yes, technically it's on there with ads, but throughout the whole movie, I think it only played an ad once or twice. So I guess this is an old enough movie where they're like, we're probably not going to make that much money on it. So yeah, put ads on it, but just one or two will do. I mean, plus you, you could just watch it on your computer and 
let your ad blocker do the heavy lifting for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, also, William Henry Harrison, he died in 30 days, at least according to Conan O'Brien. Oh, the, yeah. So, it, it, so he's the one with the, the short presidency. He, didn't he get yeah. pneumonia or something? Yes. He, he was orig- he was um, also, unfortunately, in, in, uh, forever tied to uh, Cherokee history as he had promised to uh, get the uh, Cherokee people a land grant and that he would protect the Cherokee nation for as long as he was president and ensure that well into the future, these things would happen for the Cherokee people. Unfortunately, he died 30 days into his presidency. So that did not happen. And uh, yeah. (laughs) So let's get into this review again. This was mentioned or put on our list from our dear friend, Dave, and he did love these kind of movies. And we're going to discuss that a little bit further um, in, but uh, let's start like we normally do. And I kind of want to get first impressions. What did you guys think of this movie? Um, Like it, didn't like it. Todd, you want to start off? Uh, Probably not a huge surprise, but this was not my kind of movie. Um, For one (laughs) thing, I, I don't, I'm not big on classic movies. I kind of prefer things that are at least a little bit more modern kind of within my lifetime. Um, at the very least. And this one is maybe a little bit too old for my taste. Uh, I think movies back then had a different sense of pacing that just isn't great to me. Um, I realized that back when we did our Ocean's Eleven review and I watched, you know, I'm a big fan of the whole the trilogy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of feel okay about the uh, yeah, Ocean's 8 and everything. But when I watch the classic version of Ocean's 11, oh my goodness, it takes forever for them to just introduce the characters and and actually get to the heist and everything. So this movie I felt like was a little bit thin, like there wasn't too much to it, yet somehow it was still stretched over a little over two hours. The pacing of it was kind of slow along the way. Um, I do feel like, Preston said there's a little bit of meat there. I can recognize that there's some meat there, but I also feel like that meat is kind of spread thin. Um, so I, I do have some kind of positive or somewhat thought provoking stuff to, to talk about in the movie, but it's just not enough. And I'm not, I'm also not that crazy about the premise. So yeah, this movie is not that great to me, but it, it has some redeeming stuff in there that, that I can talk about a little bit later. Okay. Preston, what about you? This is peak dystopian 70s sci-fi. <laughs> this is, you know, all of the uh, philosophy to p- professors sitting around saying, well, eventually we'll just get back to where the Romans were and we'll we'll just literally run, you know, the Colosseum games, but on television and we'll figure out some way to Americanize it. And uh, yeah, that, that's kind of where... I feel like a lot of this comes from is just like a lot of these dystopian uh, crumbling society uh, mindset that the seventies was kind of built around in, in the sci-fi with like Logan's run and clones. The deeper you go into seventies sci-fi, the more it kind of looks like a uh, fodder for mystery science theater, more so than things that should be taken seriously. However, there's something very interesting in 
the middle of this movie that I, I, I just can't shake. Is this something like this was something that Dave wanted to point out? This was, you know, the reason why I feel like he left it on this list for you guys to see is to, to sit and have the discussion about the, the computer, which I'm sure okay. we'll get to. So I yeah. won't go too deep. Yeah. I, I think I went into watching this movie. I had seen it years ago. I, I knew of it and I, I remember not necessarily. It wasn't one that I wanted to go back and watch. Um, so I was familiar enough with it, to, but I went back and in my rewatching of this, I, I kept in my mind, what is it that Dave wants me to get out of this? There's something here that he would have put it on the list that he wants us to get out. And I think I found some of that. And so with that in mind, there are some payoffs. Is that a statement or a question? That being said, there's a lot of this movie that feels like an early 70s drug trip. And Mm -hmm. that's not my bag. (laughs) 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 Um, You know, there's there's a few, especially in that, that early 70s time frame where you watch the movie and you realize, you know, if I was just taking some LSD while I watched this, I'd probably be getting more out of it. Um, seeing as how I'm not sitting watching, you know, taking some LSD, I think I may have missed some points. Um, but I don't know that I'm that much off, worse off, you know, not taking the drug. So, yeah, there, there, there's, there, there's something here, and we'll definitely discuss that. Um, and, and I think Dave definitely wanted us to get a little something out of it. Um, but overall, it, it's definitely a little bit of a tough watch, especially nowadays with um, kind of what we expect out of a movie. And, and it did feel long at times. So it definitely had some pacing issues. So I'm with you on that, Todd. But yeah, so let's 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 get into the meat of this because I, I do want to get into the meat of it. And and so Todd gave us the synopsis, right? We have these corporations and they're ruling the world. It's no longer countries, it's corporations. Um, the first thing that I noticed is much like, like you mentioned, kind of the Logan's run, some of these other dystopian fictions of the time. It's interesting that we call it a dystopia um, because usually that's, kind of a negative connotation right you have utopia which is good everybody's happy then you have dystopia where people aren't um but in this dystopia if you notice most people are pretty happy there there's everything is provided for them you know there's not a lot of people really having to spend a lot of time in their day-to-day going to work and and things like that in many ways, it looks better than the 2018 that we really went through. <laughs> so I guess my first question is, what did you think of this future or this look into the future that is now a few years our past and and how did it, it came across? Was it a was this a place you'd like to live? I mean, obviously, I don't know that many of us would want to be on the rollerball team getting our skulls bashed in but uh, 
just living the life in this world. What, what did you guys think? So, so a lot of this, I feel, is kind of the corporatism and Orwellian government meet in the middle. And I think in a lot of ways, it's, it's a pretty good life to have a lot of these things taken care of for you and all this. And um, as someone who might be a little more to the left than Dave was, for sure. I feel like there, there, there's a lot here that is, what if corporations became the government? Yeah. And that, to me, is the worst possible ending for humanity. Because at that point, you, you're literally almost at the uh, old coal miner situation, where it's just, here's, here's, your, here's your company money. You go spend that at the company store, and uh, there's, there's no competition there's there's no choice none of that it's just everything is removed here here are basically these corporations that are masquerading as utilities which i feel like a lot of uh you know internet providers do and cable companies basically any any industry that puts a line into your house and that's the only line that can be in your house and you have to you know, get special permission to put another line in from another company. I feel like that that's a whole other problem, but that's way too deep for this. But uh, I feel like it's just a not a not a great future because you're you're either so bored, you're just frolicking around and shooting trees with a giant <laughs> fire gun, yeah, or you know you're reading this. Not the works as they originated, but like the the Disney Disneyified version of the the stories. But instead of it just being the fairy tales that Disney changed enough to copyright, it's everything. Right. <laughs> so like, it 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 really seems like a bad end. It's it's not as bad as Soylent Green, but it's a pretty bad end. Okay. Todd, what did you think? Yeah, Preston definitely uh, touched on some good things there because when I was skimming through the movie again today, one thing that I kind of missed the first time is that these corporations, it's not even like corporations that we have nowadays where a corporation can do several things at once. It's kind of like, I think they even list out the the major ones, transport, food, communication, housing, luxury, and energy, implying that there's one corporation to do all of transport and another corporation yep. to do all of food and another corporation to do all of communication. And so there's no competition. And so you do get this kind of homogenization. I think that might be the right word where, you know, all your transport is going to come from one source, all your food from one source. It, and it's, it's going to take variety out, but notice that one of them is luxury also. And you talk about, uh, is this a good future? It looks like a halfway decent future for most of the people we see in the movie, but it's because those are the ones that get to be kind of the upper class. And we don't really see that much of any kind of lower class. Um, but it it is kind of implied through the way that they're getting rid of books that they also kind of want the populace to be kind of stupid. And I think in a lot of ways the movie is kind of showing an exaggerated version of the way we're already moving the way 
little businesses get swallowed up by medium-sized businesses and then they get bought out by bigger businesses and they get bought out by corporations and they get bought out by mega corporations. And so we're already seeing our business world kind of move in that direction. And we're already seeing through political divisions kind of a, a dumbing down of certain things and how, you know, I've heard this accusation made and I, I don't want to get too political, so I'm not going to say whether I agree with it or not, but I've heard it, heard the accusation made that there is one major political party that basically wants to keep people dumb so that they're the ones that will continue to, 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 to vote for that one side. And in this movie, they're literally taking away the books. Now, they're not destroying them altogether. They're digitizing them. But again, who's going to be able to read the digitized version of those books? Probably the people who can afford the technology to do so. Also, they're kind of flippant with it. Like there's that one scene in the movie where uh, the guy is talking about the supercomputer and about how they're feeding it data and stuff, but they just kind of lost an entire century. And he didn't even seem that concerned. It's like, oh, well, there goes the 13th century. I guess we just won't know anything about that century anymore. Um, so it's kind of like this is a, a, a society where everything is run by the corporations. There's a dumbing down of everything. And it's actually okay that, that these corporations are also sponsoring this sport that is basically a blood sport. I mean, we're kind of returning to the days of gladiatorial combat and it might look a little different from people running around in circles on roller skates and on, and on motorcycles, but they're also killing each other uh, on, on this uh, arena. And so we're basically going back to the days of gladiatorial combat. And so it's kind of a reversion where yes, we're kind of modernizing society, but in a way we're kind of reverting and going backwards at the same time. I don't know if I, I kind of rambled a little bit, so I don't know if I made sense in there, but hopefully there was a point in there somewhere. Yeah, no, no, no. I agree. I think, um, I mean, the, so to me, the biggest takeaway is, and again, we see this in a lot of that seventies, uh, dystopian fiction, early 60s, even in the writings and throughout the 80s and even before, you know, in 1984, uh, written by George Orwell. And the point of a lot of these stories is that you can get to the point where all these things are provided for you and you can have kind of the, the creature comforts and this, that and the other. Um, but the big thing that's always the payoff in almost all of these is the freedom you give up the freedom to make your choices. And in this movie, it was definitely uh, portrayed or, or kind of shown in this relationship with his ex-wife. You know, it was not their decision for her to become like an ex-wife and move on. The, the corporation made that decision that she should go and be somebody else's wife. Um, and that, you know, they lost that freedom to make those decisions and then you get that control and we saw it a little bit in this with you know you give them the happy drugs everybody goes around and takes the happy drugs and then it doesn't matter what the real world is like um and yeah you may have some psychotic episodes where you shoot trees but uh, you know nobody's hurt so it's it's okay um and then the release is this gladiatorial combat this rollerball and that's the, the big release that people can focus on as opposed to focusing on the other things in the world. It is. It, it's still an issue today. 
right? And a lot of dystopian fiction. Um, we just, yeah, I think I mentioned in our last, last podcast, but you have um, the Hunger Games, you know, things like that. It, it's very, it's a very similar plot, right? The world may look different, but the reality is you're giving up this freedom to have these other things. Um, and it can look very different or it can sometimes even look good. But the reality is that we, there's always that fear that we're heading in that direction. We're always headed towards a, you know, rollerball future, you know, 2018. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're banning books. We're, we're changing words. Um, it's actually really funny. My, my dad posted a comment in a group chat that we have in our family that a California university just this past week has banned the word field because of racist connotations. So you no longer play football on a field or soccer on a field or have a field near your house um, because that is racist. Because the only time you could have a field is if um, slaves are working in it. Um, and in some ways, it's <laughs> okay. just ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's, but at the same time, that's what fuels these thoughts of we're just a step away from this. Yeah. <laughs> we're, it, we're just, see, the, the, the go, going too far into the extremes, you start to lose the. the like the, the good things that, that come out of some of these social changes. Like when you go like, but the, the field thing, that's, that's ridiculous. But some people that aren't as sensible as the rest of us will be like, yeah, that is ridiculous. I should be able to say whatever I want. No, that's also not a great thing, but like, yeah, removing the word field is absolutely 100% ridiculous. And, no one should be a thing, but by that same token, that doesn't give you the right to just say whatever you want. It, it's these sort of things that um, really muddy the waters when it comes to political discussion, because you you always have people that take it too far on both sides. Oh yeah. And at the end of the day, politics is about compromise, and that's something that we have been woefully lacking in this country for oh, a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, we see where we are today. Yeah. You know, everybody knows. Well, let's move on to uh, our discussion of rollerball. So, and we've mentioned this before, right? The biggest conflict here is kind of between this new society that's been formed they've made this society based on these corporations um they use this kind of f almost fake computer um to to help with that control and help do some of that but at its heart the heart of this movie well i guess i want to ask what do you feel like is the heart of this movie what is what is the point of the game what is the point of this main character playing in this game even though they told him to retire and what is the what are they trying to tell us what is the the writer the producer the director of this movie trying to tell us about fighting this dystopian society through this character did anybody get that deep 
it, it, it's Spartacus. You don't get the idea that, at least not to me watching it, I didn't, I didn't really get the idea that they were trying to get across, which is, you know, apparently people could just see this man making these rugged, tough decisions and gutting it out and winning this game. And, you know, all of a sudden, rugged individualism comes back. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know that that's entirely what they were shooting for. But like, I, I don't know why. Okay, that was great. He won. But, like, the, the massive government corporate, you know, monster is still in existence. I don't think he exposed you know, the insanity of the computer. And I mean, at the end of the day, unless he had, I don't know that he had proof of it. That was the whole thing. Like for that ending to work, you would have had to have a whole, a whole like extra 30 minutes tagged on to the end where it's like, he goes to the, to the governments and presents all of this evidence about how zero has lost the 13th century and how the the corporations are just editing all of the books so that they can control the message and all that. It's not just this guy wins this tournament and guts it out in a rugged, determined way. Yeah. But maybe that's just me. Todd, what'd you think? Well, along similar lines, the first time I watched the movie, I, I think I missed a piece of information and maybe I'm, maybe I'm stupid or maybe I wasn't paying enough attention, but somehow I missed why is it they're trying to get Jonathan E to retire? Why is that so important? Who's wanting it and why? Well, it's actually spelled out pretty clearly in one particular moment in the story. And so I guess I really did just miss it the first or the first time around. But there is some kind of board meeting or something between one of the characters I mentioned during the rundown and about five or six other people that are in his executive position. And he basically just comes right out and says that the point of the game is meant to demonstrate the futility of individual effort. And that's why they want Jonathan E to, to retire because he's apparently the best in the game and so good that he's so much better than everybody else that he's attracting individual attention. And they, they think that that's dangerous. And while you guys were talking, I, I, I kind of made a little bit of a connection between some of the other things we're talking about, about how the corporations have obviously gobbled everything up. In fact, another thing that is mentioned somewhere in the movie is, is about how before the corporate wars happened, there were supposedly only three nations. So obviously the nations did went through this merging process as well before the corporations did. And then the corporations just wiped out the nations. So there was kind of like uh, this massive consolidating and this taking away of competition. And so even, and so it's kind of ironic that it's all about this rollerball thing that itself is a competition, but I guess supposedly you're not supposed to have any one person or any one team that's so much better than the others that you feel like there can be an underdog. And maybe that is where the appeal of this is. We've often talked about how we like underdog stories and maybe it's not exactly an he an underdog because it's not like this Jonathan E character is kind of like an underdog that rises above. Apparently, he's just really skilled at this game, but he because he's skilled at it, he is getting so much individual individual attention that maybe the corporations are like, oh no, what if somebody says, well, if this one person can rise so much more against everybody else in the game, 
then what if one business can come out and rise up against a corporation? And maybe that is the concept that they're trying to squash. They're trying to say, once we go big, we need to stay big. And the individual or the little guy can't rise up. So maybe that is the message that the movie is trying to send out to don't let the, the big guy or the big corporation take over so much that the little guy can't succeed anymore. Again, I, I think I rambled, rambled some, so I don't know. No, you did good. Yeah. I, I, I think that's fair. I think that that's a, that's an interesting way to go about it. But like, there's so much our main character knows and there's like, I don't know. It, it's just such a massive thing. It, it's a big deal to win the Super Bowl, right? But like, you, you don't take any kind of political or, you know, personal message from winning the Super Bowl. It's just, yeah, Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. It's not Tom Brady won the Super Bowl, and therefore I have to take on his ideology and not eat any mushrooms or something. Well, I mean, I would definitely compare this movie and and what it's trying to say to the movie um, Gladiator. It, It is supposed to be futile, right? That's the quote that Todd gave, which was awesome. I appreciate you picking that quote out because I had heard that, but I hadn't written the quote down. So the fact that you had like the exact quote is perfect. You know, the game is supposed to show the futility of it all. Nobody is supposed to survive and keep playing after so many games because it's just so violent. It's so hard on them. And, and the fact that he became a star individually in this sport changes the focus for the people. Um, And I think even towards the end of the movie, you know, you have these crowds cheering his name, you know, they're supposed to be cheering the team's name. You know, it's supposed to be, but they're actually cheering, chanting his name. And that's what's changing the focus of this society. This society is supposed to take off all focus off the individual. And they, you know, are putting everything against him. The reason that they're changing the rules is so that teams can go and intentionally hurt him in a way that he can't continue. Because if they can do that, then they've won. And so it is, it's an underdog story. He's fighting against it. He's, in my opinion, you know, um, coming out on top when everything is stacked against him, you know, when the whole deck is, is against him to me, I thought that was kind of cool. I, I was impressed with the fact that they were able to, to pull that deep nugget into kind of a very shallow type movie. <laughs> um, and, and that's the key that I think, that I got out of it that Dave would want me to have out of it. Um, like I said, I started watching this movie with that premise. I'm going to watch this movie and see what I can get out of it. That I think Dave would have pointed out that this is the point. And if you miss this, then you missed it all. And, and it's an important valid lesson. It's done in a weird over the top kind of way. This is the right. point. And this is what, why this movie should be on people's shelves. In many ways, there's a lot of classic books like that. 
There are a lot of classic books to me that are very, very hard to read. Um, the language is different. A Tale of Two Cities, right? A Tale of Two Cities right. is a f- phenomenal story. For those of us who have actually sat down and tried to read A Tale of Two Cities, there are times when you feel like you're just suffering. You're like, oh my gosh, this is never freaking going to end. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there is important stuff there. And it's those important nuggets that make it a classic, that make it need to be on someone's shelf. And, you know, we've kind of talked in our tribute to Dave. He had that way with movies. He found that nugget in a movie that was, this is why it was important and why people need to watch it even today. The conversation we had equating it to politics today and and systems today I think is important. I think people need to have that conversation. And if it takes a movie like, you know, rollerball to get that across to people, then people should watch rollerball. I personally think there's probably better ways at this point. Mm -hmm. There's probably better movies that we could watch to make the exact same point. (laughs) (laughs) But the point is still there. It's hidden in a lot of craziness and, kind of semi-bad acting at times, but it's there. So that's that's what I got out of it. I, and I kind of forgot this last time, but I, I kind of want to give an opportunity for people to kind of give their their good stuff and bad stuff on this movie. We've, we've talked really deep about the concepts, but there's it's a movie, right? So what's the on surface, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Um, and I know Todd usually has a list for me. So, Todd, do you want to start us off with a couple of good things? Yeah, and I don't have much. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably in a fact, short list. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and most of what I have in the good stuff is that the uh, the premise of the movie does, uh, well, we've already talked about it. It seems to suggest that corporations run things in the future. But this time, the, the second time around, I actually paid more attention to the details. The things like uh, they play, everybody has to stand for a corporate anthem rather than a yeah. national anthem. And I think I did notice that the first time around, but just didn't bother writing it okay, down. But, but that, that's actually a big deal. A negative um, is, for some reason in the movie, that was like seven minutes long. It's like, oh, yeah, like yeah and, de- and depressing. It, it's not yeah. like it's a really inspiring type of, of anthem. It's um, like, okay, hurry up. Let's somebody hit fast forward on this. Can we get to something happening? Because for seven minutes, I'm watching the screen and you guys are just playing this really crappy song. It's that the corporate anthem sorry i didn't mean to interrupt todd go ahead (laughs) and then along the way there are other things where they do try to give you a little bit of world building like they talk about the nations being bankrupt and gone uh no more tribal warfare which sounds like a good thing uh but they say something about even the corporate wars are over and they continue to mention the corporate wars and there's that one guy who makes it sound like maybe the corporate wars didn't even happen and maybe that was just propaganda or something uh you have a lot of references to corporate society executive class there's a mention that chicago is a food city so not only do the corporations have their specialty but it's kind of like the cities do too uh there are things called privilege cards and i wrote that down under world building but i would also count that as kind of a negative because one of the things the movie doesn't do that great at is it kind of throws some things out there and introduces some concepts, but then doesn't totally follow up on them. So even though they mention that there are these things called privilege cards, they don't totally explain what they are, how you get them, what you use them for, stuff like that. 
and then you've already talked about a little bit how there's this master computer in Geneva called Zero, and it's somehow fluid-based, and it's supposed to know everything and store all kinds of data. And I, I'm not sure I totally understood the point of what Zero was supposed to represent or, or why it was there in the movie. So I would say in the good stuff category, I did notice the second time around more things in the movie that do a halfway decent job. I mean, not a great job, but a halfway decent job of kind of world building for us and demonstrating what this future society is supposed to be like. Okay. Preston, what about you? You got some good stuff for us. The world and, you know, James Khan, he tries, he tries so hard in this thing <laughs> to make it work. Like the, the action scene's pretty decent. Like the, the ending scene with the guys skating through the fire and, you know, I still don't understand how hard that railing must have been to just, you just slam a guy on there once and his entire spine breaks in half. Yeah. But um, apparently that was a thing, you know, <laughs> but no, for, for good things. It, there, there's a lot about the seventies films that are just like, we're reacting to this weird reality of endless wars and the really sort of, dialed in commercialization at the time like you would you would get an update about vietnam and then boom here here's a commercial for soap everyone's happy about the commercial for soap but also you know we just heard like forty five thousand of our soldiers maybe it was one of your friends just died in vietnam there, there's a, there's a disconnect there that i feel like was explored in 70s movies and i think is adequately explored in this with the separation of the classes and another thing that i find interesting is this is really one of the first times at least in american films outside of like the godzilla imports where japan is really treated as like this not direct adversary but like someone in a partnership sort of phase mm -hmm. because for, for the majority of the films that came out World War II and post-World War II were about, you know, the, the Pacific conflict. And, and this this is one where it's like, yeah, Tokyo is a thing now. It's just, it's a part of us. Like, they're, they're fighting New York in the rollerball tournaments just like Chicago would or, you know, just like L.A. would. And so I found that interesting because, you know, if you don't know anything about business, eventually by like the 80s, they were one of the if not the number two economies in the world. And I, I don't think in the seventies they were quite there yet. There was like of Japan getting there, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see that. I think okay. just like these, these small little nuggets of the outside political and social issues that sort of seeped into this movie and done in a very kind of uh, dystopian end of the world sort of thing, like end of history uh, sort of mentality that the 70s kind of had. I see. I don't know that I have too much more to add. Um, I mean, definitely I think the fact that it wanted to be a deep movie was pretty cool. A deep movie wrapped in go-go dress and <laughs> 
same <laughs> you know but that's that's kind of what it is I guess it's you know um, kind of like a disco inferno I don't know but uh, there's definitely some some interesting things going on there like you guys mentioned let's get to the bad stuff and, and, and Todd I know you got a little bit longer list on this one so, so hit me with your best shot on your your bad stuff list. Well, I, I don't know if I have a whole list or not. Uh, just in general, the movie was kind of slow and boring. It especially gets off to a bit of a slow and boring start. The whole uh, first 11 minutes is, well, and not the first 11 minutes. Kind of like there's one or two minutes that are kind of a build up to the match. And then there's 11 minutes of just watching them play the sport, which I guess you could argue that this is kind of like a sports movie. And so you need to see the sport. And especially since it's not a common sport like baseball or football, you've got to get familiar with it somehow. So they do kind of show you the sport. But by introducing it that way, you also don't really know the characters. You don't know the society yet. So you're watching the sport, but you're not sure why you're watching the sport. Also, I'm not that much into sports movies. There are a few sports movies that I like, but usually because I get into the characters, and so I kind of prefer to know the characters first. And so when you get into this, and it's just like, it's just sports right away. I I, I just don't care. And so to me, it's a slow and boring start. Um, uh, We've talked a little bit about the resolution and how the resolution does have a little bit of deeper meaning, and I guess I didn't think about that deeply enough before. And so I guess I see that there's a little bit more of a point to the ending, but the first time around and even a little bit the second time around. So basically while watching the movie, I didn't feel satisfied by the ending. Only in us discussing it do I get more out of the ending in retrospect than I did from the movie itself. And I think I can encapsulate a lot of my problems with the movie in that, yes, we're getting the meat out of it through our discussion, but the movie itself doesn't do a great job of presenting it. Like, like I said before, it kind of throws a few concepts out there, but then does it dive deep? Also, Dave, you kind of implied that it's got stuff in there that kind of tells you about the society and it's a little bit more on the intellectual side. And yet it's still wrapped up in a burrito of, of a movie that has a whole bunch of ingredients that are basically just this brutal sport. And so it's like, I don't know it. I think that there is kind of like an intellectual movie there, or at least the potential for one, but it doesn't rise to that potential because it's still rollerball. It's kind of like, (laughs) it's it's the sport of the movie that the movie is named after that holds everything else back. It's almost like we need a sci-fi movie that just handles the society stuff. And then maybe they can do a sequel that says, oh, and within the society, hey, there happens to be the sport called rollerball. And instead we get rollerball and just then just hints of what the society is like. And it's kind of, it's kind of backwards to the way I, I would prefer my, my sci-fi. I got you. I got you. Preston, you got any kind of negatives or things that you felt really held this movie back? It did a good job with the sport. It did, it did a good job with like, shooting kind of this roller derby sort of on steroids with death and fire mixed in. And then you, you have like the, the basic beats of the story are pretty good. And James Kahn and the director or uh, the, the CEO of the corporation, um, they both do a really good job. And then, and then there's the women. 
Who are the women mm-hmm. in this movie? I was wanting to bring that up too. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they just found these women off of soap operas or just, <laughs> they just have this cadence with their line delivery. The, the, I, I can clearly see that they were like trying to go with these women are drugged. These women are clearly drugged, but like, I don't know, man. It's just so strange. And it's, it's the ultimate, uh, example of overindulgence of just this, well, we can't make 1984 as a movie because it's, it's, it's just beyond our reach at this point in time. But we can take elements of 1984 and morph it into something different and kind of sort of do these certain things here. But just long lingering shots on nothing, just the, these beautiful people wandering around in a field for like, what was it, like 15 minutes? They're just wandering around oh, yeah. in a field, yeah. smiling shooting trees in, mo- in most dystopian fiction in the seventies there there's this weird um we're commenting on the the events of the day or we're just trying to make 1984 but different and i feel like this was one of those we're just trying to make 1984 and we threw a little bit of spartacus in here just to to keep it interesting yeah. and uh that, that was kind of this movie now, the, the really interesting part, again, is the, the part of the computer and speaking on just the, the over-corporatization of modern American life, which in the 70s was a thing, but nowadays, like, I feel like if the people who made Rollerball aren't dead, like, they're they're just sitting in their, their like, um, nursing homes, like, I told you, I told you all, look at this, the box smiles at you, see, see, I was right me i was right no one listened no one listened but i was right i made this movie (laughs) yep no i'm with you yeah i mean it's been sad but i mean definitely for me the biggest absolute biggest kind of flaw in this movie is the the pacing so here's another thing right for a movie that's named rollerball and that's the point there's really only three matches in the entire Mm -hmm. movie and it's probably all of a total of about 15, 20 minutes. And then the rest of the time, it's a lot of slow roll talking build up. I felt like they took 10 minutes to get in a helicopter and fly somewhere and even go in to see the computer. It's like almost like they were trying to really build up this super cool computer. So they did it by making the scene take like 15 minutes walking through halls to even get to the computer. And it's like, yeah, it's like, just hurry up and get there already. <laughs> it's like, come on, I'm, I'm, I'm dying here. I'm trying to keep my eyes open and you're not going anywhere. And, uh, I think Preston or maybe both of you mentioned the, you know, there's, there's this, the scene where they go out and they're just randomly shooting trees with this gun and it made, and we spent way too much time there. It's like, okay, you got your point across 10 minutes ago. Let's, let's hurry this up. You know, <laughs> now I will say this. I think one of the hardest roles that people can play is trying to play a role where you're told, now you're supposed to pretty much be kind of devoid of feeling. I want you to almost be kind of robotic and, 
and and just go through the motions and very monotone and and because it's such an unpleasant thing to watch especially when you're trying to watch these actors and you're trying to feel something and you're trying to feel some connection and when they're just going through and it's like oh yeah it was really sad that i had to go and give up my husband and walk and I mean, it's like oh my gosh just just you know have some feeling have some kind of emotion have something but that was that was my biggest drawbacks um we are approaching that time. I don't want to cut anybody off, so I want to give you guys just a few minutes to kind of wrap up your thoughts so we can get into our lightning round. Todd, go for it. Yeah, let me try to squeeze in a couple more things. All right, so you um, – and now they've left my brain. Oh, yeah, all right, so the characters. I know that you're big on characters and about characters being sympathetic and you want to care about them and everything. I didn't care about the characters in this movie either, and I know that – Maybe we're supposed to, at least to a certain extent, but then you get to the end of the movie and people are just killing each other in these matches, including our main character. And so it's hard to even have sympathy for him. There's that one scene in a movie where I don't know what it is he has against this one woman so much. I think it's kind of like an arranged girlfriend or something. And he pushes her down on a bed and I think he even cuts her face. And uh, so it's it's hard to even sympathize with our main character because of the way he is. Uh, you know, is uh, one of the team members kind of gets paralyzed, but it's not like we know that character well enough to really sympathize with him. And it's not like he does anything that's uh, super good that it, we feel, we feel positive about him. And so it's a tragedy when something bad happens or anything. It's like, I just don't care about any of the characters and it, and it might be because they're all part of this society that kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, also, um, this is not necessarily a bad thing about the movie, but a bad thing about the society that the movie uh, portrays. But women are kind of treated a little bit like property in this, or at the very least, like arranged status symbols. They're basically commodities to be traded. I was a little bit confused by some of the women in the in the movie. Like, were they his girlfriend or not? And always, and, and the second time around, I got the impression that they were but not necessarily like he had even pursued them. It's like they really were arranged. Like somebody said, okay, this is your girlfriend this week. And that that was one of the reasons he was so jaded was because somewhere along the way he had an actual wife and maybe he actually had genuine feelings for her. And then Dave, like you said, she was taken away from him and nobody could substitute for her, even though people were kind of forcing them on him on him. I also got the impression throughout other scenes in the movie, like the, like the party scene that women were kind of treated like these things that could be traded and stuff like that. Uh, I was also looking to see if any of the executives could be women. And I never got the, I got the impression that they weren't, but then there was that one board scene where out of about five or six executives, one of them was a woman. So I guess it's not impossible, but they still seem to be like a less powerful minority. So I think, and again, that's a bad thing in real life, but I think the, the movie did a halfway decent job of portraying a society where this bad thing had taken place, where women were treated like that. All right. Preston, you oh, any, oh, 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 I'm oh. sorry. Sorry. One, one more thing. I almost forgot. One, one more thing. You were talking about the, the, the burning trees. In fact, that came up quite often. That, that is one of the more bizarre things in the movie. <laughs> but going back to whole, my whole thing about women, when I was rewatching that scene today, I noticed every time a person shot the gun because they kind of passed it around and took turns with it. Every time it was shot, it was by a woman. 
Yeah. And I wonder, if, and I wonder if there's a hidden message there too. I don't know what it could be. Maybe it's saying that the women were being suppressed, and when they yeah. get a chance to fire a gun that will literally catch an entire tree on fire, maybe they go for it because it's like, oh, I finally get to do something. I finally get to feel some power. I, I wonder that that's the message that we're supposed to get out of that. I can see that. I can okay, see now that. really, I'm done. Okay, <laughs> Preston, you got any other things you want to wrap up with before we get into our lightning round? Yeah, I mean, like Todd was saying, it, it was definitely there. There was a veneer of uh, sexism in there with uh, the women being. I, I think to me they sounded drugged, so I'm gonna go with they were drugged, and you know it, it was. But the the thing was, I feel like the the there was there was there was a moment in the movie where. Our, our hero goes and he, he watches this movie with the girl that was taken from it. And it, it's very important to him to relive those moments where he was married to her. And then in a final act of um, malice towards uh, James, uh, that was erased. That was taken from him completely. All, almost as a way of saying, we can take your memories, you know. Not even your mind is safe from what we can do. So in a way, I feel like that was one of the motivating things that got him through that last match where he had to kill, like, what, six people? Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there. But, um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's, there's, there's so much good, like, there's such a good point of conversation with the computer and the corporatization of America. And then there's this, like, just the, the poor execution just holds the movie back so much in a lot yeah. of ways. And just like the overindulgence in world building and just, we really wanted to press you about the society. And so like, well, why didn't you make a story about the society? Why did we have to watch a, a movie about the sport? You know? Okay, so I got to ask the most important question, closing question. You know, we're all guys. Do we bring back the go-go dresses or not? <laughs> I'm just paying you don't answer that question because we may end up with a lawsuit. I don't know. <laughs> the boots, yes. The dresses, eh. Yeah, not feeling the dresses, you know. Uh, I mean, I mean, we got cocktail dresses, like little black cocktail no, dresses. True. Just give them the boots. That's all I need. So, sorry, uh, I was on mute. Had to step away. Uh, yeah, go-go dresses. I don't think are quite my thing. I, I prefer. Uh, I think it's called summer dresses. See, I'm uh, the the summer cotton dresses that, that you know, hit the shelves every spring. That's when I know that it's getting to be a good time of year. It's like ah, oh, the, dress. uh, yeah. the, the sun dresses. Those they the call sun them dresses. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, that, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's when it gets good. So uh, that, that's how, that's how you can tell someone grew up vacationing at the beach. Yeah. So uh, you're either a sundresses and bikinis kind of guy, or you're like the the uh, snow bunny sort of dude, depending yeah. on where you vacationed as a kid. There you go. All right, so we need to roll for initiative for our lightning round. Lift off and the clock has started. Lightning round. 
18. 19. Oh, wow. I do, and I got to reroll. <laughs> 11. Oh, 12. Ha <laughs> ha. Yay, so, I get to go last. Preston, you get to start us off first. The wonderful thing about this movie is the points that it brings up about uh, owning physical media and not trusting a government or corporation to have your best interests at heart or be able to store all of the the world's um, knowledge onto their one single source. The bad part about this movie was, you know, I don't know that it needed to just go on like it did. Fine. I don't. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, you right. go, go ahead and finish up. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes that, we cheat. Yeah. I, I don't know that it needed to go on as long as it did. And I don't know that it needed to. I feel like there, there was enough here to where it didn't need to mirror so much 1984, but it still decided to take a lot okay. from 1984. Sounds good. Sounds and good. that's my thoughts. I guess I'm up next, hey. right? Yep. Are you ready? I think so. I think so. Okay. And go. All right. So now I get to get a little off topic and talk about life, right? The whole point here is you don't trust government. You don't trust corporations. You have your individual freedom. We live in a country that blesses with that. Embrace that and know that you can put faith in something bigger than yourself that doesn't want to control your life, but just wants your devotion. And that is your faith in Jesus. So yeah, enjoy that. And don't worry about the corporations. That went a little off topic. That's confirmed. Go ahead. <laughs> Good night. Okay. All right. Um, last. Ready and go. Jonathan E. He's the main character, but he doesn't get a full last name. No <laughs> rules and limited substitutions. How limited? What are the limits? Uh, they did a horrible job predicting the future in terms of look and feel. Handheld laser cannons are apparently a thing. Still got 16 seconds. Uh, I don't know what else to say about this movie. It was kind of weird uh, i'm trying to look for something else but really i did not have a whole lot of notes on this uh but i think we did get something out of it in the discussion more so than the movie itself time. there you go so before we all rate it i'm going to jump in and go ahead and remind our listeners that we will love your feedback we want to hear from you and we also need your help in spreading word about our wonderful podcast here so Two things, make sure you rate, write a review, comment, whatever you can do on the pod chaser or podcast listening platform of your choice to move us up the ranks. And also just word of mouth, right? If you like this episode, let somebody else know. Um, and then you can encourage us what you want to hear us review by getting in touch with us. The easiest and best way is through our email, discerninggeeks at gmail.com. We check that regularly. And you can do it on our Facebook page. So if you don't go to, haven't done so, go to our Facebook page, the Discerning Geeks Portal, and make sure you follow us there. Uh, Todd's really good about keeping things kind of posted there. No, he's not. No, he's not. But, uh, even like past episodes when it's their you know anniversary things like that, and on Twitter <laughs> at Discerning Geeks. Yeah, and careful about mentioning that because I'm behind again. I forgot. He's terrible. He's a bum. Okay, okay. He's a terrible risk. But what other choice have we got? <laughs> That's okay. You do better than I did. So, um, 
But yeah, we're going to rate this movie and we're going to put it on our scale and then we'll give a roll for our portal of insanity that we still have not named where we know what we're going to talk about in a future episode. So, ratings. Preston, you won our initiative. You get to go first. Talk about your rating scale and go ahead and give a rating to Rollerball. Yes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, my scale, since I'm a huge wrestling fan, I will be borrowing from um, wrestling itself and uh, giving credit to the originators of Jim Cornette and Nam Dooley and used more prominently by one Mr. David Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer. It is the five-star scale, and it goes from five stars all the way to minus five stars. And if you were listening prior to this, I, I would assume the the other episode that I appear in um, would make print before this, but if not... Um, I, I rated Black Adam a one star. I will rate Rollerball a one and a half star. <laughs> okay. Why did they get the half star? Just curious. I, I feel like the stunt work was pretty excellent. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. And I'm next. Okay. Yeah. And I use a 10-point scale. Um, I do use half points here or there um, when necessary as well. Um, this was a tough one, right? I mean, if I were just to sit down and watch this movie and not try to look into it, it would probably be one of the worst reviews of any movie we've done. Barring the, what was that really crappy? The, the mist you or whatever? Mist. Oh. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. But anyways, um, <laughs> this would probably be above that. But but luckily I went into it trying to look through a little bit of, of my uh, buddy Dave vision and, and borrowing from him and channeling him as I watched it and looking for some positives. And as such, I was able to give this a six out of 10. That's, oh, that's the best okay. I can do, Dave. Sorry, man. <laughs> I'm sure you would have given us some reason why it's not a waste of solenoid, but no, no, it's a six. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so with that in mind, it is a five star discussion of a one and a half star movie. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 Well, right, and, and that, and, and that kind of softens the blow of mine because I guess I'm going to be the harshest grader here. You insensitive prick. Yes. As I said, I think there are some messages there. I just don't think that they are totally well delivered. I think it took us watching it at least once. And like I said, I kind of skimmed through it a second time to pick up on some things that I think are the messages that it's trying to portray. But even then I'm still not sure. I also think there's still just too much slow and boring stuff in the movie. And so even if there is a message there, it's still just not that entertaining. And so I actually think I got more out of the message by us discussing it than I did by watching the movie. And I still grade movies based on how they are as a movie. If they got a message in it, fine. They still have to be entertaining. And so in all those ways, I think this movie is lacking there is a part of me that feels like maybe this is a little bit too harsh by one letter grade, but at the moment I give it a D plus. 
And that's been kind of common for me lately. Throughout seasons one and two, I think I only had one D plus. And here lately, I've added four more in just season Mm -hmm. three of our Mm -hmm. podcast. He's just being a jerk. And I can't help it. We've been in the weeds a little bit lately. So this is yet another one. Um, The the part of me that feels like it should be C minus is the part of me that feels like this movie isn't exactly egregious. There's nothing so frustrating that, that... that's why it dips down because usually the ones that I kind of feel like are kind of, I dislike it, but it's kind of harmless. Those are the ones I give a C or C minus. The problem with this one is it just has us a lack of so much. I think we were able to extract some things out of it, but it's still so thin. It's just not enough. Even if I could regrade this C minus is still the best it would get. Okay. I'm with you. All righty. Well, gentlemen, that is a, another a wrap for another episode of the Discerning Geeks Portal. Oh, got a roll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I keep wanting to forget that. <laughs> um, Preston, you rolled last time, but you want to roll it again? Since I'll roll it again. All right, man. And we get a six. <laughs> Big old six. Okay. <laughs> That's what we rolled the last episode. Um, mm. Not exactly. We rolled, I think, 83 last episode, but it's on the same row as six. Yeah. Out of 100, I have to, to double or triple up the number. So. Okay. This one's a 10. Okay. So th- we're back to movies for this one and it might be okay. In fact, we're back to the MCU and I can't remember. Is this one of mine or? Okay, no, this is one of Andrew's. It is Ant-Man. Okay, okay. All right. That's right. We're, we're going through phase two, right? We've got through phase yeah. one. Now we got to get through phase two. Um, and uh, yeah, so you and Andrew picked different ones for that. But Ant-Man, okay. Now the bad thing is, it's still hard for Andrew to join us, which means this might be another one we might have to delay, and we might have to get to other topics first before we get to this one, if he's going to be out for a while. I'm always available to parachute in, should you need me. Okay. Well, Preston, we have enjoyed your addition to our conversation the last couple episodes, and we'll definitely probably be calling on you in the future as we... uh, kind of figure out navigating and making sure we have some content for our listeners um, so we appreciate cool. you cool. stepping in and it has been a, a blast and you've added a lot to the conversation so hopefully uh, yeah, we can definitely pick your brain a little bit more um, and we won't use the spike glove like they did in Rollerball well that's fair also <laughs> I, I want to give I want to give a message to, to Dave to the beyond don't worry brother I'm going to get him to watch Ernest Scared Stupid. What? Killer Clowns 2 all the way. Oh, my goodness. Don't don't say that. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay, yeah. Um, With that, we will call it an episode and say goodbye. Listeners, thank you so much for being with us. And I want to just encourage you to continue to do whatever makes you a discerning geek. Gentlemen, have a wonderful evening. Yeah, you too. Thank you for listening. Salutations, everyone. Is Ernest the guy from those commercials? Yes. Um, Okay. May the force be with you. (laughs) Always.
For more Dave Teague picks, check out the Geeks movie reviews of Solo A Star Wars Story, The Thing, Killer Clowns From Outer Space, Gremlins, Deadpool, Alien, Men in Black, The Man Who Invented Christmas, Klaus, Spaceballs, Battle Los Angeles, From Hell, Predator, and The Mist, plus Dave Teague's special topics, Star Trek Q episodes, in Episode 5, and Sci-Fi Technology, in Episode 53.